Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to talk about the differences between Jean Baudrillard's work in Simulacrum Simulation and Guy Debord's work in the Society of the Spectacle. Because many of you have asked, what is the difference between Jean Baudrillard and Guy Debord? I mean, they both write about the spectacle, they both write about simulation. What makes them different? And here I'm going to explain exactly what makes them different. Even if these differences are minuscule, they are extremely important in understanding their different projects. Now before jumping into it, hi I'm David, I explain philosophical concepts and ideas and ways to make them accessible to you. So if you're new here, like, share, subscribe. You'll be able to see videos I release every single week, sometimes twice a week if you're into that. You can follow me anywhere else, like on Instagram or Twitter, on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy, or on Twitter at David Guineo, or TikTok at theory philosophy, links in the description. If you found this on YouTube, you're going to be able to find it as a podcast with all the same names on pretty much any platform if you'd prefer that. If you found this as a podcast, you're going to be able to find just the video on YouTube or the video and audio on YouTube if you're into that. If you want to help me out, do all those things I just said, like, share, subscribe, follow. You can also help me out monetarily via Patreon or PayPal, but no pressure to do that. Take care of yourselves first. And uh, yeah, let's jump into the differences between Baudrillard and Guy Debord. And I'm going to present both sides. I'm going to start with Guy Debord and then present Jean Baudrillard. And you're going to tell me whose side you're on. Who do you agree with more? Who makes a more persuasive case for the spectacle in understanding the spectacle and understanding our present predicament in our saturated world of communicative technology, of television screens and computers and social networks? I want you to tell me who's more correct. So to begin with the society of the spectacle, Guy Debord makes the case that as economic production reaches a certain point in which there is the production specifically of commodities, and here he's drawing upon Marx to say that under capitalism, at least one of its defining characteristics is that it is a system that produces commodities. Guy Debord says that within this system, this capitalist economy, what we find is a steady displacement of real life from one's personal lived experiences, their community's experiences. That real life experience is displaced into another zone. This is a zone that is much more abstract and it takes place on television screens and radios, on the telephone, instead of in direct interpersonal communication where people work for themselves to attain the goals and products in their own lives to do things for themselves and their communities. Now his project is a lot more complicated than that, so in order to nuance it I want to highlight his direction of the spectacle. That is, he is suggesting that it opens up a domain, it is the product, I should say, of a certain stage of false consciousness in which people are so alienated from their daily lives working in a capitalist economy in which their labor isn't actually appreciated or valued in what is being produced that is they go to work to make products that someone else is going to make a profit off of that they are not going to see the profit of and so in this case people are expected to to some extent and as a means of survival they have to turn away from this world into another world. They need to turn into the realm of fantasy, into the realm of reality television, into the realm of entertainment in order to distract them from this world, in order to make it so that they can actually return to work 
the next day, and they get lost in this world. Now, it's really important to note that for the ball, for the ball, this isn't simply about pointing the finger at televisions or computers or new types of communicative technologies. He suggests that the spectacle extends much beyond that. And the spectacle really refers to anything that tries to stand in for something else or for a person or a group of people. So he points to many historical figures specifically paying interest to historic Marxists like Stalin and Lenin to suggest that they were also victims of the spectacle in that they sought to try and represent the working classes and to stand in for the working classes in order so that the working classes would not actually fight for themselves on a more local specific level at the level of their direct immediate experiences of economic exploitation. So he suggests then that how we see the spectacle play itself out is well beyond the realm of just televisions and computer screens. It is actually an all-encompassing system that marks a point in which people's struggles are displaced from themselves and are projected onto other people who are going to then stand in for the resolution for those very problems, taking away people's ability to actually fight for themselves, to reclaim their lives, reclaim their own reality, and really reclaim an attachment to reality, to the earth, to people among them in their lives. Now, Jean Baudrillard's work is really similar in a lot of ways, in that he identifies that the simulacrum is a, a certain phenomenon that emerges at a certain period of time. However, he is not quite so certain that it can be reduced to a specific point of capitalist development or of any kind of economic de development. He is instead concerned with the ways in which the simulation or simulacrum, I'm not going to get into the differences between the two here, how the simulacrum does something else beyond just try to distract people from reality, to take them away from reality. And what Baudrillard identifies is that within the simulacrum is a concerted effort to try and make the world real, which might seem totally strange. You're like, what the, David, what the hell are you talking about? Make the world real. How can that be? I mean, in the world of images, how can things be real? Well, Baudrillard says that in the simulation or in simulacrum, everything can be reduced to an easily commodifiable and consumable form in an image form. And like the ball, Baudrillard suggests that this extends well beyond entertainment, well beyond television screens and radios, where in our lives we seek to try and reduce the world to manageable, understandable categories. And so we reduce people to various understandable, graspable qualities that can be used to oppress them. Take racism, for example, in which certain ideas about specific races are used to justify their subordination to other races. This comes about, or at least one of the ways that this comes about for Baudrillard is through a process by which people are reduced not to their actual lived real experiences, but instead are turned into an image that becomes more real than their lived and real experiences. So Baudrillard is cautious. He's like, well, we can't just say that the spectacle 
or that the simulation or simulacrum is a falsification of reality, as de Ball says. Instead, Baudrillard says that if we suggest that, we are falling into a trap that suggests that there is such thing as a real objective world, when it is in fact in the realm of simulation for Baudrillard that the real world is created. And it is in that world in which this real world, this abstract world, in which certain dominant interests, values, and their view of the world become real, where there is no actual real world. And de Ball believes, I'm <laughs> flip-flopping between English and French pronunciations of their name, Z, excuse me, but de Ball says that, yeah, there is a real world, we can go back to it. It is tangible, it is real, and it is from there that a proper worker's struggle can actually ensue. Baudrillard, on the other hand, is like, well, to suggest that is actually to reduce the world to a kind of simulation in itself, to say that it can be reducible, it can be made tangible and objective, which he says is totally false. If there's anything actually true about the world for Baudrillard, it is that it is undecidable. It is indeterminate. It is not really graspable or understandable. It is full of enigmas. And Baudrillard's approach is not to try and say that we must reclaim the real world. Instead, he's saying that we must oppose the real world because the real world is a product of a situation in which certain practices of scientific rationality, of certain dominant interests being extended, certainly economically, like this is definitely a factor here, certain ideas through globalization and whatnot becoming true in their being adopted and being spread out on a global level, Baudrillard wants to oppose these things by re-injecting some mystery into the world, by understanding that the world is not so neat and clean as to just say that the real world is over there. Instead, it is about understanding the world as an enigma and embracing that about humans and human qualities. Now, I want you to let me know whose side are you on here? Do you think that Guy Debal is a little bit too reductive? Maybe he's a little naive in thinking that there's this real world? Or do you think that Baudrillard is actually distracting from an actual coalitional politics against exploitation in the way that he's obscuring the problem? You know, I'm not trying to say I'm on one side or the other, but I'd really love to know what you think. If there's anything I got wrong or anything I excluded, definitely let me know as well. I'm looking forward to reading all your comments. On that note, if you like what I did, like, share, subscribe, and I'll catch you next time. Take care.